Thank God for Calvary. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark in chapter number 8. The Gospel of Mark in chapter number 8. We're going to begin reading in verse number 31 near the end of the chapter there. And we will read through verse number 33. Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 33. And if you have your Bible with you, I'd like to encourage you to read aloud with us. And we'll read together in unison. And out of respect for the Word of God, I request that we all stand. If you're physically able, please do so. And uh, let's read together verses 31, 2, and 33. And this is a a conversation between the Lord Jesus and uh, the Apostle Peter in this passage. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. Let's read together. Ready? And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about... And looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Hmm. Notice that verse number 31 begins with this little phrase, And he began to teach them. And then he goes on, and in his teaching he talks for the first time, directly uh, to them about his coming death and resurrection. Uh, He had hinted at it earlier. We find that in Matthew chapter 12. He tells uh, the uh, chief priests uh, and other elders, people that the uh, men that people respected greatly. And he, he told, they said, give us a sign. And he called them out. He said, uh, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But there be no other sign but the sign of Jonas or Jonah. Uh, Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and nights, and the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And that was, of course, a, a reference to his coming uh, death and resurrection. Give me just a little bit more up there, uh, Jerry, whoever's up top, please, if you would. Thank you. And um, uh, that was a direct reference to that little hint at it rather Uh, but this here in Mark chapter 8 for the first time he speaks in plain language about his mission why he came to earth and it didn't sit well with Peter Peter didn't want to hear that and Peter it seems brazen in verse number 32 he spake that saying openly and Peter took him that, just that right there is a little disturbing to me. And began to rebuke him. So uh, the, what, I, what I see in that passage is Peter, Jesus is teaching. And at, at, at the first little break, Peter comes and says, I, I, Lord, I need to talk to you. <laughs> now, first of all, that's not real smart to me. That Peter was the bold one. He was the one who opened his mouth, open mouth, insert foot. He did that more than a few times, did he not? But then he began to rebuke the Lord. Don't talk like that. Don't you realize 
We left everything for you. Don't, don't, don't be talking about dying and all that. That's not why we signed up. Peter didn't like the message. Thank you. Several other times, and we'll look at some of them, if or several of them, Jesus would go back and try again to describe to his own disciples his mission. And not until, not until it came to pass and they witnessed it, not until his resurrection did they ever come to truly understand what he had been trying to say them, to, to them all that time. I wanted to speak to you on this subject this morning. What is God trying to say to you? What is God trying to say to you? Father, we love you. We know that you speak to us through your word, through your spirit. Sometimes, Lord, you use circumstances, you use people. But you are trying to communicate with us. Lord, give us ears to hear, I pray, and a heart to receive what you're trying to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I was uh, in Pinehurst this week, a few days, with uh, one of our men, by the way, who came off of life support. We thank the Lord for that. Uh, uh, Brother Emerson uh, came off of life support. He's still very, very ill, so continue to pray for him. He had a major heart attack, but he's off the life support. But in that, being down that way, I crossed paths with a man in his, uh, in his 60s and, uh, and uh, began to talk to him about the Lord. And he described to me how he had uh, gone to church as a little boy, had been sprinkled, uh, in a in a uh, in a denomination as a as a child, and uh, he knew some things, and sometimes would go to church and so forth like that. And when I asked him directly about his soul, he said, "Well, I you know want to go to heaven. I just don't know if I've done enough or not." And uh, and uh, and so I began to talk to him about his soul. Where would he spend eternity? Did he know for sure that if he were to die, that he would go to heaven? Uh, and uh, and he did not know that. And I began to talk to him about how, how that he needed to be saved. He was familiar with that terminology. And he asked me this question. He said, how do you know when, uh, uh, when it's, the, it, that it's your time to be saved? How do you know that, that it's your day to be saved? I said, well, the, Paul wrote it to the church at Corinth. He said, in, 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 at an accepted time, in the day of salvation, have I succored thee? Have I succored thee? Now, we don't use that word much anymore, uh, and, but it means to, 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 to help along. In other words, if I, if I succor you, it means, I, uh, for example, let me, let, me, let me help you down the stairs. That's what it means. Uh, or if I, if I lead you, come here, come here, follow me, and I'm, I'm helping you find your way. Now, that's what that word means. And, and, and so I, I, I quoted that verse to him. I said, it means that when it's your time, God's going to send somebody to tell you what he's been trying to tell you. I said, kind of like you sent me today. Amen. And he got big wide eyes. He goes, he did, didn't he? And it dawned on him. This was his day. And he got saved by the good grace of God. Amen. Now, now, can I tell you something? I, I, I don't believe that it was the first one that God ever sent to try to tell that man that he needed to be saved. But I know this. I know that God in his goodness and in his patience and in his mercy, by the way, did send me. It was a completely a divine appointment. It, it, I won't go to the details, but it was not on my agenda. It was not a part of my plan, but it, God just put us together. Amen. God just put us together. 
And, uh, and I'm so happy that he received Christ and recognized that it indeed was of the Lord trying to speak to him. And he knew that. In fact, after, after he received Christ, he said, I got it. And he said, uh, uh, he said, I got to call my wife. He said, wait a minute. And he got on the phone and called his wife. He said, you won't believe what just happened to me. He said, this preacher showed up, this and that. He said, he said I got saved. She said, what? He said, and uh, he had a uh, stepson. He said, y'all come over. I want you to meet him. They were at a, a home not nearby. And so they came <laughs> where we were. And I got to meet them. And uh, both of them uh, had received Christ before. And I asked them about their soul and so forth. They had both received Christ. But we just had a good time and rejoiced in the Lord. And, and this dear man whom God had been trying to reach for a long time, a long time, realized that God was speaking to him. And, uh, and he received that which God was trying to say to him. Now here's Peter. And the Lord Jesus, uh, I told you in Luke 19, 10, Jesus said these words, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Christ came into the world, the Bible said, to save sinners. Paul wrote that. That's why he came. Amen? Amen. Now, yes, he was a good example why he was here. But our liberal friends would tell us, oh, Christ came to be our example. You follow his example, walk in his steps, do the best you can, and that's the way to, to heaven. No, listen. Jesus said that if you're not sick, you don't need a doctor. And if you don't admit you're a sinner headed for hell, then you don't need a Savior. You're too proud to have a Savior. I know some folks too proud to go to the doctor. I'm not preaching about that right now. But it illustrates it. Right? And you know what? Some folks are too proud to say, I'm a lost sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. Jesus said in Romans 5, the said in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth, which means showed or demonstrated, His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you something. Uh, 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 Christ gave His life for sinners. He gave his life for sinners. The funniest thing in all the world to me is somebody said, well, I'm not perfect, but I don't consider myself a sinner. That's like saying, you know, I, I don't kill very many people, but I don't consider myself a murderer. I don't tell too many lies, but I don't consider myself a liar. Can I say this? Most of us kind of skew our view of ourselves to the positive where we have a tendency to skew our view of others toward the negative. Can I get an amen on that? We like to judge ourselves on our best days and others on their worst days. Yeah, but if we're honest with ourselves, the truth is there is none righteous, no, not one. We're all sin sick, so to speak. We're all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we all need a Savior. Amen? And Jesus was trying to, these are, these, are, these are the best people on planet Earth at the time, closest to the Lord in that regard, that, that were closer to anybody. They, did, they left, Peter, James, and John, left immediately when the Lord called them, immediately left their livelihood to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. These are good men. I mean, these are committed men. And the Lord Jesus now, he's hinted at it, but now he speaks openly, begins to openly teach and tell what his purpose of being on earth is. And when he tells them, Peter said, uh, come here, well, I need to talk to you. You don't need to be talking about that. Man, what do you think? People are following you and you have influence. And you go tell them stuff like that. They're not going to follow you. What, what do you do? And you know what the Lord did? Now, you put all the gospel texts together. Here's what happened. He turned his back to Peter. And he spoke to the disciples. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see the look on Peter's face when he did that? Peter probably... Get thee... Thank you, Peter. Uh, 
Verse 33, and when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. You have no appetite for the things of God, but the things that be of men. Peter's mistake, he was thinking like a man. You know, most people don't want, escape, don't want suffering and death. They want to escape suffering and death. Peter did not understand Christ's purpose, and he, like us, wanted to argue with God, like we all want to argue with God sometimes. And it's not that Peter didn't believe in the Lord. The Bible tells us down here in our text, uh, just uh, right before our text, verse 29, uh, and uh, he saith unto them, uh, Jesus said, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Christ means anointed one, means Messiah. He said, You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. And, and so it's not that he didn't believe in Christ, but, but he, he was looking at his relation with Christ from a human perspective instead of God's perspective. He had enough faith to confess Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah, but not enough faith to believe that it was right for him. To have to suffer and die. You see, the Bible said in verse 34, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, it's sort of like this. This is what happened. Peter rebukes the Lord. The Lord turns his back on him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Thou savest not the things of God, but the things that be of men. And then he said, Folks, gather around. I want to teach you something. <laughs> That's what he does here. Look at verse number and, and, and so verse number 34. When he had called the people. Folks, come out, come out. Y'all get a little closer here with his disciples also. He said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Self-denial, cross-bearing was not what Peter signed up for. But can I tell you, my dear friend, if you're going to follow the Master, if you're going to follow the Messiah, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, our example, then you need to understand something. We're not living for this world. We're living for another world. Amen. And he said this, if they hated me, they'll hate you. I got news for you. If you want to stay popular with this world, then you better build your kingdom here, short-lived as it may be, and you'll have to miss out on the next one. That lasts for all of eternity. But wisdom says, I better not argue with what the Lord's trying to tell me. Peter uh, 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 argued with the Lord. So God may be trying to tell you something this morning. Maybe God is trying to speak to you, and, and, and you want to argue with Him. That's what Peter did. Um, I remember one of our ladies uh, here at the church, and her family's in our church. And I mean, the first time I met him was over here on Henson Street, and uh, and uh, not far from the church here. And I began to witness to her and her family. And she got so mad at me, she stormed out of the living room, went to the back of the house. And I was te- I was teaching on salvation, it's a free gift of God, that's eternal salvation, and it just didn't sit well with her. And she got mad and she stormed out, literally, and went to the back of the house. And I finished up conversation with her husband and left. And uh, some, uh, some time later, she had gotten a job. And she, maybe it was where she already worked, I don't remember. But some, somebody at work kept saying, hey, why don't you visit my church with me? Why don't you visit my church with me? And she goes, oh, I know, I don't know, maybe I'll do that sometime. And then one day they, 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 they came to work and pulled out one of these little cards. <laughs> it had Bailey's Grove Baptist Church on it. And, uh, and, uh, and they said, this, uh, uh, to take this, and I want you to come to church with me. 
She goes, oh, that church. I met that preacher. I ain't going to that church. <laughs> Some months later, I was in a, they had moved, and they had moved out in the county a little further. And I was out in the county, and I was just going up down the, the county roads, knocking on doors. And I knocked on the door. That dear lady opened the door and she says, ha, you again. I can't get away from you. Well, she did come and she did get saved, amen, and her children and her family and extended family. Hallelujah, amen. Listen, God might be trying to tell you something, dear friend. So I don't understand this. Did you ever stop thinking, well, maybe there's a God in heaven. The Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, let me tell you something. The devil's a dirty liar. He said, well, nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Are you kidding me? What's today's date? What's today's date? What month? What year? What happened 2,023 years ago? Our entire dating system is built on historical event, and that is that Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, came to earth, died on an old rugged cross, and rose from the dead. Amen. In the year of our Lord, A.D., Anno Domingo. Now, I know the secularists are trying to change that and before the common era, after the common era. But let me tell you something. They will never erase the fact that Jesus Christ was here on this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did miracles, went to an old rugged cross, died in my place, in your place, and three days later rose from the dead. Amen. That's God's love message to us. Don't you say, well, I don't feel like anybody loves me and I don't think God cares about me. Are you kidding me? He gave his son's life for you and for me. Oh, I feel loved right now. Oh. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what we do? We argue with him. We argue with him. Go to Mark in chapter number 9. I'll show you the second instant where the Lord spoke openly about his mission and his purpose. Mark chapter 9, verse 31. The Bible says, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. You know what? Sometimes when God's trying to tell us something, sometimes we just, we just don't understand. And you say, well, I just don't understand some things. Well, guess what? You can ask. Amen. You can ask. Now, now you teachers that are here, you like sincere questions. I know sometimes you get questions, you know, to try to get you off track so you don't teach. You run rabbits all class. Amen. I'm not talking about that kind of question. I won't name any names because I don't want to embarrass these guys on the front row. But anyway, uh, but, uh, but, but question, how do you find out? You ask a question. Amen. Ask a question. And, and, and here they were. They were afraid. I said, oh, my word. What? He's going to be delivered up. He's going to die. Oh, my. Oh, we left everything and we committed everything. Matthew left his tax collecting, a lucrative job. And, 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 and Peter, James, and John, and the, 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 the fishing business, and, and uh, Andrew, and, and, and these men left their livelihoods and everything to follow. They were all in with Christ. And what? Why do you, why does he keep saying? We, we, we thought he was come to be our Savior. They were looking for a, a political Savior. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. They were looking deliverance uh, as Jews' deliverance from the bondage of the Roman Empire. 
They wanted to be self-governing again and they wanted to have their freedom back again. And they said, this is a man that's going to do it. This is a man that's going to throw off the shackles of Roman oppression and he's going to be our Savior. But Jesus didn't come to save them from Roman oppression. He came to save them from their sins. Amen. That was his purpose. That's what he's trying to tell them. They didn't understand. They wouldn't ask questions. We find it again in Mark chapter number 10. Jesus again speaks openly about his purpose, the reason for his coming. He says in verse 33 of Mark chapter number 10, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him. More detail. And shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now the first time, he mentioned that Peter wanted to argue with him. Second time, they, they, they were afraid. They said, well, we don't understand. But they wouldn't ask a question. The third time, you know what they say? Uh, can we ask you a question about something, Lord? They change the subject. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been witnessing somebody, and I can see God's conviction come upon them, and they change the subject. Now, you can believe this or not believe this. It happened this week. When the man I just mentioned got saved. You can believe this or not believe this. I don't care if you believe it or not. But I'm telling you, I've seen it scores of times. Literally scores of times. Sharing the gospel with somebody. And, uh, and, and here's a dog. Here's an old dog. Been laying there. <laughs> snoozing away. Go all the way through the gospel. All men have sinned. The penalty for sin is death and hell. Jesus came from heaven and paid the penalty for our sins when he died on the cross. Amen. And his gift to us is his forgiveness and eternal life through him and only him. Not through religion. Not through a man. Not through the Pope. Not through Buddha, Muhammad. Not through Virgin Mary. Not through Pastor Shook. Not through anybody. No religious leader. But through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's the gospel. And get all the way through it. And someone with interest listen to the gospel. And I say, would you like to receive Christ? They say, yes, I would. And that dog go, roar, 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 like going to eat somebody alive. Phone. Doorbell, ding dong, ding dong. Now, how many of you say, Pastor, I've experienced it myself. Wave at me. Thank you. Now, let me tell you something. The devil would love nothing more than to get our eye off the ball and off the message and dismiss it. It's all oh, just coincidence or all oh, that's just, oh, we'll, we'll hear that. Some, some said this, we believe. Some said we don't believe. Some said we'll listen to you later. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, the man said to Paul. Listen, and, 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 and see, once you get your mind off something, get you off the ball. God's trying to tell you something. God's trying to tell you something. And this is the third time now he spoke in plain terms, even gave graphic detail. They're going to spit on me. And what happened? Look at verse 35. And James and John, sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldst do for us whatsoever we shall desire. He said to them, What would you that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. <laughs> Here's what happened. Stand up for just a moment. And uh, you, you've been Peter. Peter. 
we're going to let you be the Lord now. And the Lord tells them, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm, 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 I'm going to be delivered. I, they're going to arrest me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to abuse me. They're going to kill me and bury me. He said, well, I'm coming back alive three days later. And James and John are like, He gets done and say, hey, can we ask you a question? When you set up, I'm paraphrasing, when you set up your earthly kingdom, when you become our political hero, when you become our deliverer, can I sit on one side and my brother sit on the other side? Can we be on your cabinet? Can we be some of your advisors? He just got through telling them that he was going to be killed. Not set up a throne on this earth. That throne comes later, amen? And they listen to him. They get done, and they come ask what's on their mind. Thank you. You'll be seated. God's trying to give them a message. What do they do? Sometimes they argue with them. Sometimes they just don't understand, won't ask a question. Sometimes uh, they just change, uh, change the subject. That's what they did here. They changed the subject. <laughs> uh, it's the sweetest thing in all the world to me when that happens. When God's dealing with somebody, and the devil tries to change the subject. And that phone rings. They say, don't worry, Pastor. I ain't worried about that. I said, good. I've even said this before. That's the devil calling. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. But I have said that more than once. And I've had mixed reviews with that. <laughs> but sometimes people say, yeah, I think you're right. Turn it off and open your heart and receive Christ. Hey, listen. Is God trying to tell you something? Is God, don't change the subject. These disciples' minds were distracted with what they wanted out of their discipleship, what they wanted out of following Christ. If you read the verses that follow, basically, they were saying this, Lord, we want a seat at the table. We want a position. We want influence. That's what we want. Let me tell you something. Your relationship to Christ is not primarily, though much of Christianity seems to be swinging to this persuasion in this day and age, your relationship to Christ is not, is not all about what Christ can do for you in the present, how He can give you a bigger car, a bigger house, a fancier this, a fancier that. He may give you those things, but if He does does it. He does it as a loving father because he knows it won't hurt you and spoil you and maybe that's why he hasn't done some things because he doesn't want to spoil us. But that's not what our relationship with him is all about. And, and, and many times God's trying to tell us about something we have no interest if it doesn't suit our needs. We want God like an emergency ripcord. We want God like a, a like a red phone a 911 phone and we have an emergency we call him otherwise we hang up and don't bother me and leave me alone. Let me live my life till I need something else. No sir. Christ came with a mission and his mission was to die in our place and suffer for our sins and three days later rise victorious over sin, death, hell and the grave so you could have an eternal relationship with him for all of eternity not for a little tiny minute speck of time called your time on earth which is just a vapor that's here a moment and then vanishes away not just for that but so you could have something with him for all of eternity amen let me show you the fourth one. Look at chapter 14. Look at chapter 14. Oh, they're getting right up close to Calvary now. Coming this very night. Verse 27. I said, that's a Mark. Mark. Mark chapter 14. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mark chapter 14, verse number 3. 
And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. They were mad as a hornet. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? I don't have time to teach it to you, but this spikenard was a, it's like an heirloom. And it was incredibly, incredibly uh, uh, expensive and precious. And typically it would have been lavished upon a deceased spouse at their burial and so forth. Uh, otherwise it would be passed from generation to generation. And the process by which it was made was incredibly intricate and anyways, great, of great value. Uh, why was this waste of the ointment made? Verse 5, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they griped, murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come, watch this. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And let me tell you who it was that got so stirred up. The Bible said they murmured, so he wasn't the only one griping and complaining. But we know this, there was a false professor among these disciples whose name was Judas. Judas wasn't saved and lost it. Jesus said, I knew from the beginning that one of you was a devil. You say, why would the Lord choose a devil then? A man that was influenced by Satan himself to be his disciple. Maybe to teach you and I a lesson that you can be awfully close to the things of God and not know God. You can be a preacher in a pulpit according to Matthew chapter 7 and God say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You can cast out devils, you can do miracles according to Matthew 7 and he say in the day of judgment, I never knew you. Perhaps that's why he had Judas as a disciple. But nonetheless, we know this, that Judas Iscariot was the one who held the bag. He was the treasurer and we, 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 he was dishonest. And so when he saw this very valuable gift and it's poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ and he was, he was mad about that. He said, man, they, you should have gave that. We, 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 you should have given that to us and, and let us sell it so we could take all that money and, and give it to the poor. And I can assure you that Judas Iscariot had more than the poor on his mind. <laughs> he had his own pockets on his mind. But nonetheless, this false indignation... And then verse number 10 says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. Now wait a minute. Notice again verse number 8. Jesus rebukes the disciples who are griping about this lady's lavish gift. He said, leave her alone. Why, why are you giving her a hard time? She's done what she could. This is a good thing she's done. Verse number 8. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Hey, look at me. And by the way, 
if you read another account of this, this woman was known as a woman of ill repute. And she had put her faith in Jesus Christ and heard Him teach and had been forgiven and her life transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what the Bible said? Jesus called out her motive. He said, let me tell you why she's done this. We're speaking about motive. She came to do this to anoint my body in advance of my bearing. Listen to me. You know what I believe? I believe this woman had figured out what the disciples couldn't get through their own thick heads. She understood. She heard him teach. She heard him say those things. When Peter pulled him aside to rebuke, she might have been there. She was there. She was a follower of Christ and her life had been transformed. And she said, she got it. She got it. She understood, I believe. And she's come ahead of time. She said, oh my, if he's going to lay his life down for me, I have something in the heirloom. I have something precious and I'll lavish it on him. And she, she understood this. She understood this. The disciples sadly, the disciples sadly rejected it. Judas, when he saw that, and the Lord, Judas essentially rebuked the woman in front of her. This is ridiculous. Why did this woman waste all this? We could have sold that gift to the poor. And Jesus said, let her be. She's done a good thing. She's done this to anoint my body for the burying. You with me? And Peter said, no, forget this. I'll make more money betraying him. And he turned and went to the religious leaders and concocted a plan to betray him, which would eventually take him to Calvary. You know why Peter was following Christ? For the financial advantage. He had his own plan about what Christ could do in his life. And sadly, listen to me very carefully, much of Christianity has become, much of the writing about Christianity, Christian authors... Hey, can I bust your bubble for just a moment? I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for about 90% of what you find in a Christian bookstore. I lost about 50% of you on that. All right, maybe 10% of it. Much of what's, listen, you watch me, first of all, because it's filled with perversions of the scripture for one thing. But second of all, much of Christianity has become about what God does for me and how God will make your life better and how God has a purpose for your life. And God does. And what, what, but it's about what God does, about how God makes me feel. It's about how God meets my needs. But let me tell you something, Christ's mission wasn't just come to make me feel uh, uh, all ooey-gooey, goochie-goo. Christ's mission was to come to lay down his life for me so I could have my soul saved for all of eternity. And he said, if you want to be my disciple, then I require you to lay down your life and die to self and not live for self, but live for others. And he said, that's how you lay up treasures in heaven. Now, Judas Iscariot is the quintessential example of a person who followed Christ for what he thought Christ was going to do for him. And when he figured it out, that it wasn't going to go his way. He said, well, I'll just betray him. And he turned his back on him. I said this. God's trying to tell us something. Sometimes we argue with him. Sometimes we don't understand. And we just turn away, don't ask questions. Don't inquire further. Sometimes we just change the subject. Can I sit next to you at the table? Sometimes... 
We reject the truth. Watch this carefully. We reject the truth because of what it implies. Follow me with this. Sometimes we reject the truth because of the implication of truth. Friends, if Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is our only hope for heaven, then that means you and I are no better than anybody else on planet earth. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There were no bonus points to be earned by Judas Iscariot for being the treasurer of Jesus' disciples. He too was in need, desperately in need of a Savior like every other man, woman, child that had ever been born ever would be born. Many people, I have, listen, I, I have seen God deal in the hearts of people who in the end reject the truth because of what the truth implies. If the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ is all we need to be saved to be born again and have eternal life in heaven, then I'm no better than anyone. And God is not impressed by my goodness. And as Isaiah the prophet wrote, my righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags in God's eyes. Now here's where, listen, here's where your, let me tell you where your problem comes in if you're not saved yet. I hear this, I heard it this week. Boy, if anybody went to heaven, it was my grandmother. Oh, she was the sweetest lady you ever met in all your life. She was a good person now. If anybody made it to heaven, it's my grandmother. Now, let me tell you something. Listen to me. I got a question for you. Are you willing to reject the direct truth that Jesus Christ gives you because you're afraid it might imply that the grandmother you loved did not believe and understand the gospel. I want you to think for just a moment. I didn't. I didn't grow. I grew up in a Baptist church. I didn't grow up in a religion. But for those who grew up religious, it is quite a hurdle to accept that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that there's none righteous, no, not one, not even my sweet grandmother, and that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He saved us. It's a difficult thing to swallow the fact that nobody got to heaven because they were a sweet person. The only ones who go to heaven are those who crowd to the Lord Jesus Christ, save my soul from eternal hell. I have no hope to go to heaven except for you, what you did for me. You died for me, you rose me. Yeah, but my, my grandmother, she was a, 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 a sprinkled and she is dedicated as a baby. And she could quote the catechism. And she was so kind and she fed poor people and she this and that. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you had in your life as I'm grateful I had in my life loving caring people but if none is righteous no not one that includes me and you and my grandma and your grandma and the people you admire most in your life and the people I admire most in my life if nobody is a, is, is, is worthy of heaven and none of us that is a hard pill to swallow if you have espoused a religious system that teaches you be good and you'll make it. The implications of the truth is this that if you have not put your faith in Christ you're eternally lost. 
Hmm. Wait a minute. I don't know where your grandmother is. I hope she's in heaven. You don't have to, you don't have to belong to a certain church or denomination or affiliation to be saved. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. You can believe in your heart Christ is your only hope and say, Lord, save my soul and he'll save you. Amen? Amen. You can do that in the woods. You can do that driving down the road. You can do that at this altar. You can do it anywhere, anywhere at any time. Whosoever, anybody, anywhere at any time shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Yes. But listen to me. If you reject the truth because you're afraid, well, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I wish the 86, six, seven year old Mormon man, he was so kind to me for an hour and a half. I think Carson was with me about five weeks, four or five weeks ago. And we went through the scripture. He let me share the scripture with him. He said, I've never understood this. And, and then he said this. We got down there. I said, would you, would you like to receive Christ? He goes, I, I, I don't know. He said, you know, my wife, she was such a good lady. You know, she, she died a Mormon. And he said, I, I think I'll just stick with what I have. Let me tell you something. I don't know where your loved one is. But I know this in Luke 16. There were five men. And they had a brother who had died. And Luke 16 said that man was in hell. And you know what he wanted from hell? He said, please, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back from the grave to tell my five brothers the last thing I would want is for them to come here. Now, I don't know where your loved one is, but if they're in heaven, they definitely want you there with them. And if they're in hell, the last thing in the world they want is for you to join them in hell. Yesterday, I had the sweetest conversation with a little lady in a nursing home. I met her husband out, and he told me about his wife, and I went to see her. And uh, it was the sweetest little conversation. And uh, she, she told me, she said, yeah, my, she had raised her grandsons, and there's her grandsons, and uh, they're adults now, and they had rid, ridden our buses and so forth like that. And I asked her, I said, uh, have a pleasant conversation. I asked her about her soul. I said, do you know for sure if you died? You go to, she said, I, believe, I believe I would. I said, how do you know that? She said, well, I've, I've really done the best I know how. And I said this. I said, well, if you died and if, if you died tonight, and called her name and said, if you died tonight, and you stood before the Lord, and he said, now, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? She said, well, I'd tell him. I said, well, you know, I love you, and I've done my best to please you. I hope I've done enough. Now, I can't read anybody's mind but if you believe that if you believe if your hope is that you've done enough your hope is misplaced and it was the sweetest thing I called her name I said can I ask you a question if I thought that I was going to go to heaven because I'm a preacher who would I be trusting to get me to heaven and immediately she got distracted because I said preacher. I shouldn't have said preacher. But she said, oh, I know some preachers. You ain't going just because you're a preacher. She got kind of distracted. So I said, let me ask it again. I came back around a second time. I said, 
if I thought I was going to go to heaven because I am a good person, I'm sincere and I do my best to live for the Lord and please the Lord. And if I thought those were the things that were going to take me to heaven, who would I be trusting to get me to heaven? Now, I ask that question a lot, and a lot of people halfway listen to you, and they just sort of give you an answer. But consternation came on her face. And she said nothing for a moment. And she said, well, you'd be trusting yourself. And you could see... It, to me, one of the sweetest things in personal soul winning is when you see the light of truth come on in somebody's eyes. And I said, so if you were trusting in yourself to some degree, I said, what would you need to do? She trust Jesus, just Him. I thought, she's got it. And I didn't Get the leader in prayer. She said, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you and only you. I said, glory to God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Now, can I tell you something? Listen, don't be offended by the truth. Don't ignore the truth. Don't try to use simply the truth that you understand to your advantage. Accept. Listen, if Christ isn't honest, there's nothing to believe about it. If you can't trust a man's word, you can't trust a man. (laughs) If you can't trust what Christ said, you can't trust Him. And He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Apostle Paul expanded on that in the book of Galatians. And he said that the offense of the cross goes away when you add something to the simple gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're sinners. Sinners die and go to hell. Jesus paid the price. Trust Jesus and Jesus alone, and you're saved for all of eternity. And Paul said this, when you add anything at all to that you've taken away the offense of the cross well in other words it doesn't matter what you add to it it, you 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 take away the offense of the cross in other words if you say well you got to believe you're a sinner that sinners die and go to hell that jesus died on the cross pay for sinners and you got to believe in jesus and buddha and you'll go to heaven that's not offensive that's open-minded Oh, you gotta, you got to uh, admit you're a sinner. Sinners die and go to hell. Jesus paid the penalty for sinners. And you've and you got to believe in Jesus and speak in tongues. You've removed the offense. The issue in this, in Galatians, was a, was a, a finer point of the law, circumcision. That was a requirement to get to heaven. Let me tell you something. There is nothing, nothing that you and I can do, no part of the law that we can keep whereby we can be saved. It is Christ and Christ alone. So the offense of the cross, by adding one thing to the simple gospel, you remove the offense. What does it teach us? It teaches us that the thing that is offensive to this world about the gospel is the exclusive Claims of Christ. It is the exclusivity of the gospel. Listen to me very carefully. It's not that Jesus saves. People are not bothered too much by that. But Jesus only can save. Now you got to fight on your hands. You understand? The Bible describes truth as a two-edged sword. It's like a surgeon's scalpel. And it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a word picture of a surgeon with a scalpel making a fine incision with a very sharp instrument and laying back to expose what's on the inside. And that's what the truth of God does. 
The truth is we're sinners. Sinners go to hell. But Jesus died for sinners. Amen. Amen. And he rose from the dead. And your only hope to go to heaven is to admit you're a sinner headed for hell. Then just call on his name. If you need a library book, you don't call a mechanic. If you need a prescription, you don't call the librarian. If you need a prescription, you call the pharmacist. If you need a library book, you call the librarian. If you need a tow, you call the tow truck. If you need an oil change, you call the mechanic. If you need your soul saved from hell, you don't call Buddha, you don't call Muhammad, you don't call the church, you don't call this religion or that religion, you don't call the Pope, you don't call the Virgin Mary, you don't call Pastor Chuck. You call on the only one who can forgive your sins and save your soul, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now question. Has there been a day and time in your life where Jesus spoke the truth? My mission is to come, to die, to be buried, and rise from the dead to pay for your sins. Has there ever been a time where you accepted that as absolutely true, that Jesus died for me and my sins, and he's my only hope to be saved? And in response, you said the best you knew how, Lord, save my soul. I'm hell-bound. I have no hope. You died for my sins. You rose from the dead. Be my Savior. Do you know that you've done that? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.